The stories just keep on coming. And it's such a joy to get to know the women we feature on this series. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. In the spotlight, we've got a dynamic healthcare leader who is a champion for women's health. She's a registered nurse who is a member of the Beth Israel Leahy Health Women's Leadership Council and Emerson Hospitals Auxiliary. She's worked in leadership roles in health systems and startups as a consultant, and she's proud of her work for the 131-year-old Deaconess Abundant Life Communities Leadership Team. She's a mother and a breast cancer thriver who believes in paying it forward. That's why she's about to launch her own podcast with a focus on fostering equity through connection. It's called Bridgen. There is so much to talk about with this incredible woman. So let's get started. Her name is Emily Tamilio, and this is her story. Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Candy, for this honor. What was the impetus for you to build a career in healthcare? From very young, Candy, I felt myself in a position where I wanted to just serve others and to help others. And I know it can sound kind of cliche, but I really felt that in my heart from an early age. Take me back to nursing school. And and did you love it? I know it's hard. I just ate it up. I couldn't get enough of my anatomy and physiology and my microbiology. And I, I actually tutored while I was in college. And I found that when I started some of the hands-on clinical rotations in the hospital, that those were a little bit challenging for me, but I loved the opportunity to just kind of be in front of patients and to be able to be in a way that I felt I could contribute to them, even in a small way as a nursing student. You know, I have to think that there must have been a moment for you at that time early in your career where you said to yourself, you know, I love part of this, but not all of it, because then you started to take a little bit of a left-hand turn. I enjoyed the science behind it and the helping, but I saw myself in a position where I wanted to be more coordinating that care, having an impact where I could really see what I could do on a larger scale to impact more people at the same time. So what happened next? I had a wonderful opportunity that came to me. I was practicing as a nurse. It was probably one year out of nursing school. And the organization that I was working for at the time had a wonderful opportunity to get into a more administrative and management role. And that's where I'm like, wow, this seems like something I could do. And I kind of jumped at the chance and it stuck. And here we are so many years later, and it's really taken shape and formed. And I'm really excited. I kind of took that leap of faith. Well, you know, let's talk a little bit more about that because it's so interesting. We have women of every age listening to this program. And I guess I would love to hear you talk about not being afraid to make those changes, you know, because here you are, you say, I'm going to be a nurse. And then people think, okay, it's going to be the traditional role of a nurse. But there's so much more out there. Sometimes you just have to take a risk. I love the way you put that. You do. You've got to kind of stick yourself outside of your comfort zone. Find what is your superpower, right, Candy? We all have our super strengths and superpowers. And what is yours? And I think for me, as you said, that traditional route of nursing just didn't 
really makes sense for me. I said, I can see myself doing some other things. And I kind of tapped into those. But again, going with those super strengths, that's part of who you are. So you ended up doing a lot of marketing and brand strategy for decades, innovative partnership building, but it was always all around a healthcare theme. You got it. And it's always been near and dear to me is somebody's health. And health really comprises so many different components. There's your physical health, mental, emotional, and spiritual health, and how all of those come together in a really awesome synergy. And for me, that was always exciting to kind of be in that space of healthcare. Well, you have come to believe that our thoughts, our emotions, our energy can help or hinder our mental and our physical health. How did you come to that conclusion? For me, I saw it through the years that just our attitudes, so much what happens to us, Candy, is 90%, I believe, is mental, whereas 10% is physical. And so for me, having gone through my breast cancer experience, I really saw firsthand, wow, this experience is happening to me. And as things were starting to just almost like unfold. I was in the shock and awe. But then I said to myself, wait a minute, you talk about mind over matter and having a positive attitude. It, it might be easier to do when things are just kind of easy going and things are going your way. But when you have something that just kind of broadsides you and pushes you aside that you really have to take a look at what's going on and delve into that inner strength. And that's where I just saw, wait a minute, now it's time to put your money where your mouth is, Emily. You gotta show this and show this and be that beacon of strength to other people who may also be going through a difficult diagnosis or challenging situation. First of all, thank you for sharing so candidly about your diagnosis. And I wonder if we can kind of go back to that time in your life. Did you feel a lump? Did you not feel well? Did you know something was wrong? Take me back to your diagnosis. I was going for a routine mammogram and there it was. They pulled me aside after and they said, gee, something looks a little funky here. We're going to follow up with an ultrasound. The ultrasound happened. I sat in that room in the gown waiting and waiting and waiting. And I had this feeling in my gut that something was not right. So this was two years ago, and there I was waiting for this news to come to me, which in my mind, I could see it kind of taking shape and form. So when the radiologist came in and gave me this news that, you know, we're going to need to follow up now, and you're going to have to have a core biopsy. So kind of one thing progressed to the next level, to the next level. You decided, even though you were in a pretty early stage, stage one, right? Correct. Of breast cancer, you made the decision that you were going to have a mastectomy. Talk to me about that. So once I received the results of the core needle biopsy, they called me, I want to say, I remember like it was yesterday. It like was, a movie. Like a movie. It was Memorial Day weekend. I went in, it was in the morning. And it was the Tuesday after I was standing with my umbrella in the rain. It was around six o'clock at night where I got the diagnosis. And from there, I basically went into Boston to Mass General. And I was fortunate enough to be seen by the most extraordinary human being, Dr. Barbara Lynn Smith, 
who will always be forever just, you know, my hero and so many women's hero. She is a hero to so many women. Shout out to her, right? Dr. Barbara Lynn Smith, we will always be indebted for just not just that the, the physical care that you provide, but your being and your essence and just being able to deliver, I think, Candy, the most difficult of, of news with such grace and such care. And when she told me, well, the size, while you do have stage one DCIS, ductal carcinoma in C2, because the size of your malignancy is so large that you are going to need to have a mastectomy because there's really not much else we can do. And so it was interesting because my ears were were processing it, but then my mind was so many steps behind mastectomy. You know, I'm someone in my early 40s, like, wait a minute, this is just, and so here it is with this, with a shocking diagnosis. And so it did take me some time to let this, to let this all settle in. And it wasn't that much longer after that I did go into Mass General and have the surgery. And I think as I was going through it, I said, wait a minute, I really have two choices here. I can feel sorry about this, feel sorry for myself, Candy, and kind of wallow in that negative space or I can be true to myself. I'm a person that likes to gravitate towards a peaceful, joyous state. Why should I change with this? I want to be the same person to smile, to hold my head up. I don't have anything to feel really sorry about. I still felt pretty good. I still had teams I'm working with at work. We're working on cool projects and moving things along. I have a beautiful daughter and family and friends. And I said, I'm not going to change who I am because of this. I'm going to move forward, be positive, happy, make jokes. And so I tried to continue that all the way through. Well, you just mentioned your daughter and boy, there's something about the mother daughter connection. And I have been told by many women who have heard the words, you have breast cancer, that they worry more about their families and in particular their children than they do about themselves when they're going through their diagnosis, when they're going through their treatments and their recovery. How did that work for you and your daughter, your family? So my first thought is, my daughter Gianna, what does this mean for her? She's so young. She has so many years ahead of her. And so that was one of the very first thoughts in my mind. But I felt incredibly blessed to be part of this Mass General team. And they brought me in. And because I was on the younger side, um, they did the genetic testing. You know, they tested for the BRCA gene. And they really looked through to see, is this something that's you know, could genetically be passed on? And so I was felt incredibly blessed that that was not the situation felt like we kind of dodged that bullet. But to back up to what you said about, you know, the mom daughter cultivating that relationship, I think of like my own mom and her mom and my great grandmother and how these generations of women have brought us to today. So many of us have these have these stories of going through kind of like dark times and things and, you know, having those beacons of strength in our own moms and that those are the things that we hope we can impart and pass on to our own children and daughters. Well, speaking of that, I do believe that our childhood is that foundation. It's the place where, well, it's the house that built you, right? So let's talk a little bit about where you come from. And I know you've had incredibly strong women throughout your life. 
I love to talk about this. This gets me all excited because I think from a very early age, I was surrounded by three great grandmothers. They were genocide survivors. I am Armenian on both sides and have a long line of just having survived the genocide. So I grew up very young, you know, six, seven, eight, ten, hearing the stories, hearing how they lost everything. They faced the deepest levels of persecution and had things stripped from them, their family members you know, killed in really in in front of them and how, and I used to say to myself, well, how did they find the strength to move on? And that was something that resonates to this day when I was going through my cancer surgery. And just when I'm going through something challenging, I look back and I say, you know what, Em? I say, really isn't that bad. Look at what your great grandmothers went through. This would have been a walk in the park. And I look and I, I, I just smile to myself because I feel that just propelling me forward. You're very fortunate that your great-grandparents were alive and you had a chance to learn so much from them. What was the message in your house about values when you were growing up? It was all centered around family, being there for each other. And that looks maybe different for every family, but I just remember my parents, my mom and dad, bringing my sister and I to the Armenian church in Belmont on Sundays And then afterward, sure as tradition, we'd head over to my grandparents' house in Belmont Hill and have a nice dinner. My great-grandmother was there. My aunt and uncle were there. It was very festive. It was a Sunday afternoon. But Sunday after Sunday, we continued with this. Again, it's that building of family. And it's not so much about these great spectacular things that we did, but it was more the tradition, sitting around the table for a special meal, how we interacted with each other, playing out in the yard with my cousins and having my grandparents' maybe in a couple of lawn chairs in the back or going to the vineyard as a family for the summer year after year. It was those joys and tradition and the importance of family and togetherness and just good values that were just kind of passed on through the years. You've had such an incredible career and you're still so young with so many more years to accomplish great things. I'm wondering, what did you learn about work ethic from your family? This brings me back to my dad and just how he would instill in my sister and I the value of a dollar, working hard. If you want, whether it was back in the day, it was expensive guest jeans, but what you wanted, you worked for it. That wasn't just assumed that that was going to be given to you. And so I think just kind of knowing that, not just like working hard, but I think building connections and just kind of reaching out to others and how you can build and grow something. And I think that was really important lesson that I learned. And I just derive a lot of strength from my dad and my parents. You know, I'm really interested as a podcaster to talk about your podcast. So it's called Bridgen and your co-host name is Prince. So now you have my attention. Tell us all about your podcast. What are you going to talk about on the show? This is awesome because Prince Na, who is going to be my co-host and myself, are going to be bringing on guests and really tapping into how we can cultivate equity through connection by the guests that we bring on, whether it's education, finance, healthcare, 
that entrepreneurial spirit. But by bringing on those guests, they're going to be able to share what are they doing? What initiatives have they created with their teams to help foster this equity? You know, whether it's a healthcare organization down in Texas that's doing things in South America and how they're reaching out to maybe some areas and communities that just wouldn't have that opportunity. How are they bridging those gaps? Hence the name Bridgen. And my partner, Prince, is just the dynamo to work with. And he really has that joy of building community connection. We want this to be like a family candy. So when folks are tuning in, they're really pulling something away, but they feel like they're part of something greater. Well, I know that you're about to launch. And so people can go to their smartphone and they can tap in the name of your show, which again is? Bridgen, and it's B-R-I-D-G-I-N. And I know that my good friend Jordan Rich at Chart Productions has been part of your production team. You can't learn from a better guy than him. So I'm so happy to hear about that. Let's talk a little bit about our habits as women. We carry the load for ourselves and for our spouse, our children, our career. How do you help women get their priorities straight? It's just really day in and day out, being in tune with yourself taking that time, whether it's through meditation, yoga, a nature walk, what are you doing to turn things off? Connect with your inner self. What is your inner self telling you to be connected to your feelings, your mind? How am I feeling today? Do I need a little bit more rest? Do I need a little bit more me time so I can go and accomplish and be and mother and lead teams and be part of boards? And it's a lot. It's a lot of juggling candy perfect job for you, what would that be? I see myself really being able to uplift others, unite teams. I love building partnerships and collaborations to do greater things. And again, it might sound cliche, but there's nothing greater than to bring together people for something that's even greater than what they imagined, where folks are tapping in to those superpowers and those inner strengths we talked about before, how to really leverage them. Who have been your mentors along the way? And are you a mentor now? I think of my family and my very first mentors as being the women in my family. I look at my great-grandmothers. Elise Marsubian, God rest her soul, would be sitting on the couch. I'd be curled up right next to her. And I would ask her things, Grammy, what do you think of this? And she would say things that would kind of put it all together. And she just... By her words, you felt uplifted. And so much so that years and years later, her energy, because it's all about energy. Energy can neither be created nor destroyed. It can only be transferred. So I think of her energy and how it still resonates to this day to lift and encourage. So I think of the women that have been in my life, my mom, who's been unwavering with her devotion to my sister and I, her stable nature and her constant care made me feel like I could really accomplish anything. And that stable, that stability of support. Next few questions, we ask everyone who sits where you are. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? I think it's not even getting around it. How can I kind of meet this head on and get through it? How can I keep myself above it? Sometimes I take it and I break it down and I say, what am I really looking at here? 
fear is false evidence appearing real. So maybe it's not even that big. And I, by thinking and talking about it, I'm magnifying it. But maybe if I break it down and say, wait a minute, if I do this tomorrow, if I call this person, if we plan this, it's really not so bad. So sometimes to break it apart like that and to know that we're going to get through this, you know, the sun always, always shines. What do you wish you knew when you first got started down this career path of yours? I've come to realize how important it is to build the connections in the community. I've always been what I feel is a pretty connected, community-oriented person, but you never reach that plateau. I think you can always do more and cultivate the heck out of those relationships and really understand and just be increasingly mindful of all of those touch points. Sow the seeds early on. Sowing the seeds. Let's talk a little bit about the fact that you're a mama. And once you're a mother, you're a mother forever. How did motherhood change you, Emily? One of the greatest things that I can see that my beautiful daughter Gianna has taught me is don't take myself so seriously. I think as women, we have a tendency to be somewhat perfectionistic, but it's okay it all really does work out and to just kind of take yourself a little less seriously. And I love that she's been able to do that with me. Best piece of advice you've ever received, and it can be personal or it can be professional. And I'd love it if you could pass that along to our listeners today. To dig the well before you are thirsty. And I know it sounds really, really simple, But then when you think, really, really think about it, I think it's about, you can just take that into so many different directions about preparedness, about learning and exploring more about a situation before you go into it, to do your research, to be prepared, to have those extra provisions on hand. And you could just use that in so many different areas, whether it's personally, professionally, because you don't know what the next day brings. As women, I think we do go through so many fluxes and changes in our lives that tomorrow and what we may be thinking is never planned. But if you kind of dig that well, you know, you've you've got your water. You've got your water, Candy. Exactly. Last question. At the end of the day and at this chapter that you're in right now, because you know what, Emily, I believe that we really do see our lives in chapters. And from where you are right now, what does success mean to you? I think it's to ask the people around you who are closest to you. Do they feel loved and supported? And are you really lifting and serving others on a daily basis? Because it really is about paying it forward. I want to wish you the best of luck with your new podcast, Bridgen. And I also want to thank you so much for coming to my home today, sitting down, telling us your inspiring story on the story behind her success. Thank you so much, Candy. And that's the story behind her success for this week. If you know a woman I should interview for the show, reach out and tell me about her. Just go to my website, candyoterry.com. There's also a full library of stories for you to listen to anytime you need a little dose of inspiration. Follow me on Facebook at Candy O'Terry Official and on all other platforms at Candy O'Terry. And whether you're listening on one of our radio affiliates or from your smartphone, we'll have a fresh episode for you next week on the story behind her success. And remember, when we lift each other up, we all rise. <laughs>